welcome to the show. On today's episode, we have Shailen Vitez. She is a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, an ADAP certified functional health coach, and a mind-body-spirit release practitioner. She helps women who have tried every diet under the sun to break through their weight loss resistance to feel confident and alive in their dream body. In her virtual practice, she specializes in supporting women who deal with mystery weight gain, weight loss resistance, chronic fatigue syndrome, mitochondrial dysfunction, hormonal imbalances, leaky gut, gut dysbiosis, parasites, candida, SIBO, GI issues, biotoxin illness like mold illness, Lyme, and co-infections. So if you have any sort of weight loss resistance and you think you're doing everything right and it's still a problem, this is the episode for you. Welcome to the Kakatibi Podcast, your source for all things health, happiness, and beauty. Hello, thank you so much for being with us here today. Hi, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really grateful to be here. We'll be talking about weight loss resistance today. But before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your backgrounds and how you got into this? Yes, my background actually started with my own health history. So I'm normally, I worked in a nine to five office job. I was not very happy with it. But then my health journey really started a few years ago when I was staying in an apartment in Miami. And you are very aware of the high heat and the high humidity there. It's just a perfect terrain for mold to grow. So I recognized mold in our laundry room. It was being removed um, with bleach on a drywall. And that's basically the worst thing that you can do to use bleach on mold because of any porous surfaces, the bleach only removes the color of the mold. So mold has these thread-like structures behind the visible mold that you see on the wall. And then when these roots come into contact with bleach and water, it really just feeds and multiplies the mold and makes the mold much more aggressive. But back then, I didn't know anything about functional medicine. I didn't know anything about mold grow. So I stayed in the apartment. I felt safe. And I noticed this change in my cognitive function immediately. So I remember back then I was enrolled in a study class and my ability to focus and remember things just slipped away like within a second. And that were the beginning signs. And then I had an interesting shift in my sleep patterns. So in the beginning, I required so much more sleep. I slept 10 hours, woke up, but I felt like being hit like a truck. And then a few weeks later, the complete opposite happened. So I could sleep only about four to five hours per night on average. And I woke woke up all the time during the nights and I really had a hard time falling back asleep. So you really can imagine I could barely function anymore. I was so fatigued. My stomach became really unpredictable. One wrong meal could really set me off with extreme stomach pains, cramping, or just getting diarrhea. My character changed, so I didn't recognize myself at all anymore. I became really furious when just little things threw me off. And everyone who knows me who knows I'm actually quite easygoing. I'm always in a positive mood. And then there have been these phases of deep depression, of anxiety out of the blue. And of course, what we're talking today about, the weight. My weight literally skyrocketed within six weeks to a weight that I have never been before in my whole life. So I gained 15 kilo, which is a lot for a person like me. And I looked like a completely different person. So it was not only the weight on the body, but my whole body and my whole face was so puffy and inflamed. And I didn't have any changes um, to my diet or exercise. Of course, the first logical step for me was to reduce the calories exercise more all the things that we get taught by conventional doctors it's about eating less about moving more to lose weight 
but that's actually really wrong with weight loss resistance. So it made things way worse for me. So I tried different diets. I tried keto, no carb. I cut my calories. I did intermittent fasting, one meal a day, nothing worked. And I still continued to gain weight. So I thought I had to be more radical. And I read about Dave Asprey's rapid fat loss protocol which I really think it was probably the most radical diet hack I've ever tried. It's super restrictive. So you only consume bulletproof coffee. So coffee with butter in it, and you have 800 calories per day to be in this ketogenic state where the body should only run off fat and just burn fat. And yet my weight just continued to go up. And it might really sound super weird, but the weight was actually really the symptoms that I worried and impacted me the most. So it seemed to really impact my mood, my happiness, from now on, I was constantly worrying and obsessing about my weight. And of course, it took a huge toll on my self-esteem. And I was self-isolating because I felt like a failure because I think, okay, you have to be able to get rid of that. And just also a lot of shame of how I looked like. And normally you would think that all these other symptoms, they should have concerned me more. And that's really something I also see with a lot of women that I'm working with. They have numb arms. They have tingling sensations to the body, stuff that's really alarming. but yet. The number one thing they mention when they come to work with me is the extra weight. So it really seems that the not feeling confident in our body just really takes away life quality from us. And being in a body that I personally received as unlovable or fat, it came with constant negative self-talk. If it was a good day or if it was a bad day, that was determined by the number on the scales. And if it went up or down, that's really um, how my day would look like, if it was positive or negative. And my look had me really so ashamed that I didn't go out anymore. I didn't socialize at all anymore. And I tried to find help. I went to 10 conventional doctors to figure out what's wrong with me. And no one had an answer. They told me my blood work looks normal. They told me it's all in my head. And one doctor literally told me, you should stop eating candy. So I left the doctor's offices and I had the feeling like, no one was really truly listening. And then I came across functional medicine and I found a doctor in Toronto that I worked with. So I spent hundreds of dollars on testing. I did the nutrient test, the adrenal test, the stool test, hair samples, so all the things. And I think he really had actually good intentions to help me, but he diagnosed me with adrenal fatigue and mercury toxicity. But in the end, he really missed my true root cause, which is mold and parasites. And he put me on 50 pills daily, which just didn't sit very well with me. And after a few months into the protocol, I had zero improvements. He recommended adrenal shots. So from now on, I had to inject myself daily for a four-week period. And I still got worse. And the moment where I really realized that I hit rock bottom was when I was sitting with my boyfriend in a restaurant and he talked to me. And I just sit, sat there and stared at him. And I couldn't speak out the words that I had in my head. So I had, I really knew, okay, something has to change. And I was tired of wasting more money, more time and just missing out on life. So I really become obsessed with researching everything on functional medicine. And I found functional blood work and functional blood work uses much more narrow ranges and different patterns that can identify different root causes. So I became certified in reading the blood chemistry and that then revealed my root cause. So my basal fields were at a tree and they should normally be below a one. So that means parasites and inflammation. And I also had mitochondrial disease and mold toxicity, leaky gut, babesia and heavy metals. And that's actually how, how I came across my, my passion today. It's working with women that are experiencing weight loss resistance 
and just get them on the right track to overcome the chronic illness and to lose the stubborn weight. Wow, that's so interesting. And it's very relatable. I had the same sort of situation when I was gaining weight because I had hormone problems and I was going to doctors and I would look at them. And first of all, as soon as I saw them, I knew I couldn't ask them about how to lose weight. (laughs) So (laughs) that kind of ended it really quickly. Yeah, that's something that I really unfortunately hear so often with sperm. And when they come to me, they say, okay, doctors are really telling them, okay, stop drinking alcohol, get rid of the chocolate. And the women that I work with, they are on perfect diets. They are really tracking everything. They put it in their computers. They are measuring what they're eating. So they are really the perfect picture of health if you're looking at their diet and lifestyle. And yet there is this weight that they cannot get rid of. I've seen that so many times. If you had to say in one word, what would you say would be the root cause of weight loss resistance? It's toxicity. So if we have excess toxicity that the body cannot keep up with detoxing, we have chronic inflammation and that itself just leads to weight gain. Plus another factor is what is the body doing when there are excess toxins flowing around that it cannot eliminate? It puts it into fat cells. And we really have to understand that this is a very good thing. The body does it a favor. It does it in order to protect the other organs and the tissues from the toxins. So it will only release the weight or the fat when it's safe to do. So when we are detoxing the body with the toxins one step at a time in the right order of operations, then the fat will be able to come off. So what are some specific possible causes of toxin overburden? I would say there are five major ones. It's gut infections, it's biotoxin illness, environmental toxins, mitochondrial damage, and I would say on the one umbrella, trauma and or mindset. And how have you been able to help people deal with weight loss resistance and overcome this condition? So the main thing we really always have to do is to discover what is the individual root cause. So if there are people with the same symptoms, they might have different root causes. So first step is always to discover. And then the second step is, of course, to peel back the layer of the onion one step at a time. And there is a certain order of operations that just needs to be in place that we don't get reinfected. So let's say you have a new client. What are some of the tests that you would have them go out and get? And where can they get these tests? Are these tests that any doctor can give them or are they special tests? If someone would come to work with me, the first thing, because that's what didn't happen in my health journey, is to listen. Because I am really a true believer that the body is not lying. When the body is having symptoms, it's saying, hey, look at me, something is not functioning. So the first thing I have every client do is we're going to a in-depth questionnaire that's are about 80 to 100 questions because so many people also forget the symptoms because they just think it's normal because they've been dealing so long with it. And then, of course, it's a functional blood work that I love to run because it just gives such a good um, insight what's going on in the body. And depending if persons really want something to have it on paper, we can do additional tests for mold toxicity. But I think it's really not necessary because if we have the signs and symptoms, we can really save the money and just invest in high quality supplements and go from there. And do you test hormones as well? Not in the beginning, because I am a true believer that hormones are not root cause. And something else that we might I want to mention is with the functional blood work is that we have to understand that the conventional ranges are super broad and they compare the average of the population, including the sickest of the sickest. So it really has, in my opinion, zero to do with healthcare or disease prevention. And that's why so many um, conventional doctors, first of all, cannot detect disease because 
the markers show just in range. And second of all, so many doctors are not reading, not trained in reading the blood work patterns. They're just looking at one marker, say hemoglobin A1C is high or low. This means this or that. But with functional blood work, it's really look at marker A. If that's out of range, look at B and at C, and then you can see what's the pattern. So let's talk about parasites. What exactly are they and how are we getting them? So a parasite is basically a pathogen that can live inside or on another organism. So their goal, if we think about it, is really to get nutrients, to grow and to multiply often, which then, of course, directs the home host where it's dealing from. And they come in different forms and sizes. So around 30% of the parasites are microscopic. But then there are other ones like liver flukes that look like a rolled up tomato skin. Or, for example, an adult tapeworm can reach a length of, I think it was 15 meters. And some of the microscopic parasites that live inside the cells, such as fat cells or red blood cells, and the larger ones, like the parasitic swarms, they are more likely to live in the spaces between the cells. But many people think that parasites only live in the gut, but that's not true. They can invade the brain, the gut, the liver, lungs, the lymphs, the muscles, and so many other organs and tissues. And they are super intelligent organisms. They have different tactics to stay undetected in the body. So, for example, one method a single-cell parasite is using to stay undetected is that they just simply change the proteins on the surface so the immune system doesn't detect them. And other parasites are able to change their form, so they go into a protective cyst form, and then the immune system is also not able to detect them. And it is really way more common to get infected with parasites than people think it is. They always think, okay, we have to travel in third-world countries to really get infected with parasites, but... We can get them through contaminated food, um, undercooked meat, vegetable, eating sushi. It's been shown to be in the city water, using public restrooms, having pets, especially if they are sleeping in your bed, if they're licking your face, then of course traveling and also walking barefoot. So I know there's this big topic grounding these days out and it's really beneficial, but that's also really one major source where people can pick up parasites. Yeah, I've always thought of that. I'm like, what about the parasites? What are these people doing? <laughs> Definitely. And especially, for example, I'm at the moment in the United Arab Emirates. So there's the desert and there is also this sand fly in the desert sand. So it's very common to pick up a parasite via crowding. Yes, I can see that. So let's just assume everybody has parasites to some degree that hasn't done parasite detoxing or cleanses or whatever you call them. What would be the best method to test for parasites since it's so hard to find them? Or should we just assume we have them if we have the signs and symptoms? Yeah, we really have to look at the main signs and symptoms of parasites. And if we just want to um, dive into them shortly. So the number one symptoms of parasites is um, anal itching. And it's because a certain worm, like for example, pinworms, they're coming out and they're just laying eggs around the anal area. Then the second most common symptoms is when the symptoms are heightening around the full moons because every Parasite has a life cycle that's reproducing during this time. And then other symptoms would be teeth grinding at night, insomnia. The weight, of course, like we mentioned, can swing both ways, like the weight gain, but also severe weight loss because they're basically eating all your nutrients. Dark circle under the eyes, smelling stools, chest pain, food sensitivities, in particular dairy sensitivities, skin or face rashes, migraines, um, mood issues, night sweats, muscle twitchings, bloating, diarrhea, fatigue brain fog, and also sugar and alcohol cravings and female hormone imbalances. So if you have irregular periods or you have extreme PMS, so that would basically be the major testing method. I have a, t a questionnaire and have the clients fill it out. 
Then the second test for me would be the functional blood work because there are certain markers, for example, the basophils, if they are above a one, it really indicates parasitic infections. Then we have the C-reactive protein, we see if there's oxidative stress going on in the body. And I know that most of the doctors still are going for um, stool tests, but they are un unfortunately not accurate at all. So in my case, the functional doctor did the stool test and it came back negative and we didn't consider parasites because... It wasn't sure. It just showed negative, and I had all these signs and symptoms. And the second reason why the stool tests are missing parasites is because they have the ability to produce biofilm, and that's something where they live in hydem. You can think of biofilm as a very sticky film. So when we are doing a stool test and there's biofilm present, the stool is basically just gliding over that biofilm, and it doesn't detect what's underneath. And also not busting the biofilm is one of the major issues I think that people are missing when going after parasites. Because if you don't bust it and you take a parasite supplement, you're just like, the supplement is not effective. It's just bouncing off that biofilm like um, raindrops are bouncing off a house. And then another reason why the stool test is not effective is that it has to show a live parasite. And parasites have life cycles that are rot rotating between dormant and being alive. So my preferred method of testing would be A, the questionnaire, then the symptoms and the blood work, and just looking for eosinophils, basophils, white blood cells, and ferritin is also a very good marker for parasitic infections because parasites are eating your iron. So if the iron is very low in combination with these other markers, it's really a good indication there are parasites present. And what are some examples of common co-infections and why is it important to treat parasites before you treat a co-infection? Yes, with parasites and co-infections, it's really, we are saying that the terrain is actually what kind of allows other infections to piggyback. So really common co-infections would be mold toxicity. Lyme co-infections like Babesia, Bartonella are very common ones and also Candida. And why it's very important to treat parasites before um, these co-infections is that parasites are old um, the reason why it's very important to treat the parasites first is that they are acting as a holding tank. So parasites are able to hold mold spores, heavy metals, lime inside them. And we have, when we are first opening the drainage pathways, then we are going after mold, for example, and parasites after that, we are eliminating the mold and then we are opening up the parasites when we are killing them and we are reinfected with mold. So we are very likely to get reinfected whatever is inside the parasite. So I heard that plaque in your teeth is a biofilm. Is that true? Because if that is, that seems like it can get really hard. I've seen like turn into rocks almost. So how can anything break that up? The plaque, you just really have to, it can be a biofilm that is correct, but it's more a biofilm for bacteria. And we just have to continue to do our oral hygiene. We have to keep uh, brushing the teeth, flossing them, just the regular stuff. So let's say you were to take stuff that break down biofilm mm -hmm. and you didn't do anything to help maybe bring it out safely or deal with everything being released with once. What would happen? A major detox reaction. So if you're bringing, if you're breaking the biofilm, if you're, I see that also with so many people, they are just like not following the order of operation. So the first order is always opening the drainage pathway. And we can talk a little bit more about this is, and they are just jumping into detoxing right away. They are either busting the biofilm and the body is just not able to get it out of the, of the body, but the elimination pathways, then we are just having major detox symptoms. 
and it can really make the condition worse because so many more toxins are stored up that are now cycling in the body and are not able to leave the body. One thing that's very important on every step of your detox protocol is binders. And are there any herbs or other things other than that you can use to break up biofilms? Yeah, my favorite one is definitely Japanese knotweed to break up the biofilm. And Sarco Biosciences is uh, one of my favorite, most favorite companies. They are specialized in treating parasites. They just have their CT minerals. They normally or naturally break up that biofilm as well. So let's get into mold. How can mold cause weight loss resistance? Yes, that's a very good question. So first of all, we have to understand what is mold. So mold is really like a multicellular fungus and it forms like these thread-like structures. And how do we get exposed to mold? So when you have mortar damage, mold can grow in as little as 24 to 48 hours. And it performs like the more moist and warm environments, but it can also grow in cooler temperatures. And the mold spores, they enter the body through inhalation and then they activate an inflammatory storm in the body. So the mycotoxins from the mold are highly lipophilic. So what does that mean? They really are attracted to fat and they accumulate in fat. So especially in the body's cellulite stores and also in the brains. And after people have been exposed to mold and they all of a sudden see visible cellulite in places that they didn't have it before, that's really one thing that you can ask yourself. If you've been exposed to mold or you're suspicious and you have all of a sudden the cellulite and it doesn't go away, it's very likely that you have mold. And what mold really does, it goes straight into the liver and it highly reduces the liver's ability to detox in phase one and also the liver's ability to make energy. So it really downregulates ATP production in the mitochondria. And that's why we are so fatigued and exhausted when we're dealing with mold toxicity. And then mold is also really a, a root cause for so many chronic illnesses and autoimmune cases. So we see it's linked to autoimmune conditions like autism, Alzheimer's, Hashimoto's, mast cell activation syndromes, lupus. And what really happens when we are exposed to the mold is that it's causing an overproduction of cytokines. So cytokines are a category of small proteins and they are important in cell signaling. And this overproduction of the cytokines leads in many individuals, especially in the ones with the HLRDR gene, to damage leptin receptors. And having the HLRDR gene simply means that the people are not very well doing very well in dumping toxins. So the toxins tend to accumulate in their body. And we think about 20% of the people have this genetic susceptibility. And as leptin is the obesity or satiety hormone, and it's producing our fat cells, and it is supposed to inhibit the hunger, but also to regulate the energy balance. So when these leptin receptors are damaged by a high cytokine storm from the mold exposure, our fat cells attempt to compensate that by producing more leptin, which then leads to weight gain. And this weight gain is really inresponsive to diet or exercise until we're really stripping off the health onion, so to speak, with the toxins one after another. And with mold, it's also really important just to mention that so many people, they think, okay, when I'm moving out of the mold, I'm fine. But with mold, it's different because the mold accumulates in the body and the toxins are not just leaving. So they must be pulled with binders. And here it's really important that we don't just use the common ones like charcoal and bentonite because they only work in the gut. And they might give some symptom relief at that time, but mold is able to cross the blood-brain barrier and that's what these binders cannot reach. So we really have to use binders that are able to work systemically in the body and also are able to use the blood-brain barrier. 
Why is it that you'll have two people that live in the same moldy environment, but one can be completely asymptomatic and the other person have tons of symptoms and feel terrible? Yes, that's a really great question. It's a little bit uh, more comprehensive answer. First um, reason is very simple. It's what we already mentioned. 25% of the population have the H. LATR gene, which simply means it's a genetic susceptibility that the body is not good in detoxing. So the toxins accumulate much faster and they're not able to leave the body. And the second reason is a dirty body terrain. So what does it mean a dirty terrain? What does it mean a dirty terrain? It means that a, so what does it mean a dirty terrain? So if a person has a dirty body terrain, it just takes away from health because it uses it causes a chronic weak immunity and it also attracts like a magnetic pull other pathogens. So to really understand where this theory is really coming from, we might have to go back to the germ theory and that was um established by Louis Pasteur, and he just was thinking, okay, when there are contagious bugs or viruses from the outside, that really creates pathogenic reactions in our body that make us sick. But the modern research has really a different viewpoint on it. So it was Antoine Bichamp, who is considered to be the father of the terrain theory, and he really says that it's diseased tissue that attracts the germs and the toxins rather than being caused by it. And when you think about it, that really makes sense. So Every human is made of, of billions of bacteria and trillions of viruses. And those are responsible to break down disease tissue. And they also play an important role in clearing out waste in, that's in our bodies. So for example, we call the bacteria the great decomposer. Because, for example, after a body part dies or post-surgery infection, these are the ones who are breaking down the toxin load. So we can think of the bacteria kind of firefighters, fighter, but they are not the ones that are starting the fire and the same goes for mold. So same small levels of mold, they are found everywhere. And as soon as they reach high levels, that's really when they become toxins. And we can just think about it that mosquitoes are attracted to the pond scum, but not the pond itself. And the same goes for the harmful organisms that are attracted to diseased tissue and not a healthy body terrain. So when a person already has a dirty body terrain, the mold exposure might just really tip off the toxin bucket that's already been filled and really cause a laundry list of symptoms all of a sudden. Yeah, I've seen that a lot like with um, certain people. If they take really good care of themselves and everything's fine, they can be around other people that are very ill and yeah. not get anything at all. But then if you have someone who maybe didn't sleep very well or they're very stressed out or going through something emotionally and they're around someone who's sick, they will immediately get sick. Definitely. That's 100% true. And I really love that, that you're mentioning the emotional factor. When, because when we are thinking what is causing a dirty body terrain, of course, it's all these physical factors. It's uh, chronic overuse of antidepressants, of steroids, not eating good, herbicides, pesticides, uh, root canals or plant that is leaking. But really, our emotions have such a huge impact also on how we are susceptible to sickness and just the emotions and the stress itself can raise cortisol and really itself cause a dirty body terrain. So what method do you use in your practice to help women with weight loss resistance? How does it work? The number one step is really to go to that in-depth questionnaire to really find out what's underneath their root cause and to just truly listen what's going on with them. Um, to listen to their stories and their struggles, the symptoms they experience, and then I have them to run blood work and then we're really going to analyze step-by-step to step the work. And I think it's really giving a good overall insight what's going on in the moment in the body 
And then I also love to run a bioresonance scan with my client to see what's going on a cellular level. And I think that's also very important since we just spoke of the emotions because in quantum physics, everything is energy. So a bioresonance device is a machine to measure the frequency of energy wavelengths that are coming from the body. So the method is really based on the idea that unhealthy cells or organs that they admit altered electromagnetic waves due to the DNA damage, and then changing these waves back to the normal frequency will assist to bring the body back into homeostasis and away from the disease. So depending on your report of findings, the machine really creates a unique healing frequency to promote the body's cells to return to vibrate at the natural frequency, which is the healthy frequency. So the frequency of the device is able to resonate at a frequency where the pathogens or the mold or the line is having a hard time to live at. And I really think that this harmonizing step is just one great tool, especially for the people that have gone to all the root cause protocols and they are still not getting better because sometimes it's that these physical root causes, they are just having a trapped energy in the body and by running it, they're able to overcome this trapped energy and release the trapped energy from the body. I wanted to ask you a little bit about hormones as well. I've noticed a lot of my friends when, not all of them, but a good chunk of them, whenever they have children and their hormones go a little bit crazy afterwards, what is it about pregnancy in particular that can make your hormones go off and how does that relate to weight loss resistance? Yes. And I think with hormones, it's very important that we are really keeping in mind that they are chemical communicators. So they're not really root cause from what I have seen. So we are really have to ask what is caused them to be out of balance. So especially when you are pregnant, there is a huge stressor on the body. Then really other the things that I see that might be messed up is that the liver is stagnant. The gut is being messed up, like leaky gut dysbiosis, because the gut is really important to regulate the hormones. What I also see with a lot of um, women that are pregnant, they are being constipated. So when you're constipated, you're not able to eliminate estrogen to the bowels. And if you're not able to eliminate that estrogen, it's building up in the body. And of course, inflammations are possible, root cause of hormones, stealth infection. I think fertility in particular can also lead to mitochondrial um, dysfunction and that can lead to cortisol abnormalities. And we just really have to also look to endocrine disruptors. So the things that bind to estrogen receptors and mimic estrogen, like mold, mycotoxins, Teflon, all of this can really um, cause hormonal imbalances in the body. What are three changes, let's say, that people can make to significantly reduce the body's toxin burden? That's a great question. I would say it's different for everyone. So I would say there's not a one-size-fits-all approach. But we really have to look at a person's day-to-day toxin exposure because that's where we start to build and to accumulate the toxins. And we have to make the changes here. So we really don't need to be perfect all the time. And I think that also like striving for perfectionism can be a huge stress. It's sometimes more stressful than having the unhealthy treat here and there. So we can still eat out and have fun and the body can tolerate that if it's um, resilient. But I would, would really say what's very important to maybe do a lifestyle questionnaire. That's what I'm doing with my clients. So to get a really clear understanding, what are your lifestyle habits? What are you eating, drinking? What are you doing on a day-to-day basis? What might cause toxins to accumulate? And whatever is on the top of the list, that's what we to that's what, what that's what we want to reduce at first. So for example, if a person is wearing makeup daily and it's conventional makeup, that would be a good investment to switch. If you're wearing it on the weekend occasionally, okay, then that's not so important. You can stick with that conventional one. But if I would really have 
to list my top three ones, it would be clean water because I see so many people still drinking tap water. And that's super important to help flush out also these toxins and breathing clean air, going out in nature and focusing on clean food because eating is also something that we have to do on a day-to-day basis. I wanted to ask you, because we have a little bit of time, about some of my signs and symptoms to see what your thoughts are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I think that I have mast cell activation. That's what Mm -hmm. I think. So what are some of the ways I can tell if I really do have that? So mast cell activation is actually also an overflowing toxin bucket. It's really when the toxin bucket of the body is too full and then all of a sudden you cannot tolerate anything at all anymore. So what you would really need to do is really look at your main signs and symptoms and to really get to the root cause because mast cell activation symptom is not a root cause. Yeah. For me, I find if around my when I'm going to get my period, mm-hmm. I know that histamines tend to be higher. So I'm more sensitive to foods that I normally wouldn't have been. So I'll get migraines or just more bloating or or skin issues, things like that with certain foods. And also I used to be able to paint and I can no longer be around paint. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting that you are mentioning the histamine because that's one thing that is also pointing towards parasites because parasites, they are driving up beta-glucuronidates. That is an enzyme and high levels of the beta-glucuronidates disrupt the body's ability to detoxify both natural hormones like estrogen, but then also environmental chemicals. And when these build up in the body, it just affects all other hormones negatively. And the parasites, when you have them, they can cause an appropriate release of the histamine. And it's appropriate erection of the body because with releasing the histamine, the body is trying to kill the parasites with histamine. So that can be really one factor that you can look more into. I mean, the, the parasitic sign and symptoms, you might you have parasites and especially parasites are also very, very well connected to cause the PMS hormonal issues. Interesting. I was watching the show last night and it was talking about the teeth and how there's like a biological dentistry where they are taking old fillings out and they're finding that all fillings, even if they look healthy, they have a buildup of Lyme disease in the root of the tooth and HPV and a whole bunch of other parasites and things like that that can go in there. So when you have a client that they clearly have something going on, but they can't seem to find it, what are some other things you can look for? It could be teeth or other things where it could be hiding. Yes, that's a great question and a great topic because teeth are really, we are becoming more and more aware how the teeth are really interconnected to the body. So every teeth that we have on the upper and on the lower are connected to one meridian. And it's super interesting because, for example, I have my own personal history with that. I got a root canal done and it was the meridian to the liver. And I developed so many liver issues. And when I got that root canal pulled, all of my liver issues, my liver markers really improved. So that's really very common. And we see that. So root canals or fillings, they are really, we say that root canals are good for about eight years. And then really the bacteria starts to develop because they have no place to go. It's like really a inflammation cascade that sets off. And also the bacteria that are in the teeth, they are able to enter the body. So it's a chronic inflammation and it's very common with people that are really, like we said, we are, they're having treated all the root protocols, all the issues, but still something is setting them off. The teeth might be one um, issue and what you can look for is with a cone beam scan to really get that 3D scan to see is the inflammation going on in the body. 
in the teeth. And unfortunately, most of the time you have to pull them and to get also this band out where the bacteria um, able to accumulate. And another topic that really connected to chronic illness and it's not very often spoken about is breast implants. Breast implants also seem to have just a few years that they're good for and then they leach into the body. And that's really just also setting off chronic inflammation. Chemicals are on a day-to-day basis leaching into the body. And also these amalgam fillings, we have to think of them. They are toxic themselves and they are not stable. So every day we are eating or drinking something hot, a little bit of the toxin goes into the body and it's just this chronic state of inflammation, chronic state of toxins. And it's really very often one root issue why people are not getting better because these things are not being removed. Yeah, I've seen a a big rise in women removing their breast implants because of breast implant illness. It seems to be like, very common people are connecting the dots. Yes, finally, that's true. Let's say someone has some signs that they might have parasites or maybe they have other evidence of toxins. What are some ways that they can work with you? Yes, I work with my clients by application. So I have a very um, greatly discounted one hour call so that we are really going into the signs and symptoms to see if I can help them, if they have worked with practitioners, what's holding them back. And that's just a one hour call. And from that call on, we would then establish, okay, I require to work four months with my clients because I think nothing less makes really sense to get over root cause illness. And then we can determine what's really needed. Is emotional support needed? Or is it really just, are they super clean? Are they super healthy? Do they need education? Do they need emotional clearings? And that would be determined from this one hour call. And they can contact me via my website or I'm also present on social media as well. And I'm happy to answer any questions if they just have some questions. What social media platforms are you the most active on? It's definitely Instagram. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience? Anything that they should be maybe looking out for? Any signs and symptoms? Or anything that they can do lifestyle-wise to lower their toxic burden that we haven't gone Definitely also community is a big part that I see with a lot of women. So what I have been doing when I was chronically ill, I was not socializing at all anymore. Also, the mindset piece is huge and it's very often not addressed in chronic illness. Negative self-talk can itself raise cortisol. So really pay attention. How are you treating yourself and really... You shouldn't speak to yourself worse than you would to a friend of yours. So that's really one factor um, to pay attention to. And also really no matter where you are in your health journey, there is really a way to get into remission, to never lose the hope. There are really hundreds of talented practitioners out there who are really getting to the root cause of chronic illness. And also if you're really not in a place where you want to be, it's time to be happy now to enjoy the journey. We often wait to be happy when we have achieved something like, I will be happy when I have dropped that weight. I will be happy when I overcome the chronic illness. But that's the wrong way to go around it because we just really, literally got one shot of life. So even if it doesn't seem for you like it yet, probably overcoming that chronic illness and the reason why you are dealing with it holds something bigger for you. Because sometimes... The hardest time can become your biggest blessings. And I can really attest to that. When we have to deal with something, we often fall into the victim also into that. Life is not fair mentality. And I've been there myself. But then coming out on the other end, it will hold something special for you that will make your life such so much better. It's truly believed that people that are dealing with chronic illness, coming out of it makes them a better person because they are so much more grateful for the tiny things in life, for their health. And I also, for example, transformed my nine to five job, um, which I was very unhappy 
in, into my true passion. So now I get excited, get up excited every day. So really enjoy, embrace the journey, enjoy life now. And just be curious what the future holds for you. Thank you so much for your time and for being with us here today. Thank you so much, Kate. I had an episode a while back with Dr. Mona Fahum of Feminescence, and we spoke about Feminescence, Maca Harmony, and their Maca products. And if you're a woman who's ever had hormonal imbalances, if you're trying to come off the birth control pill, or even if you're going through menopause, this is a natural way to help ease that transition and to help balance your hormones. There's nothing quite like it, so go to feminescence.com, enter code CAT15, K-A-T-1-5, for 15% off any of their single pack products, and definitely go check out the episode. Just search for Mona Fahum on my podcast and listen. You won't regret it. Thank you for listening to the show. Please show your support for the podcast by leaving a five-star review. Learn more about the show and what I have to offer you at katkatibi.com. Consider being a part of the new Patreon, where episodes are ad-free and you'll find extra bonus content. Send a voicemail question or email me. Check the show notes for more information. This podcast is for informational merrymakings and metaphysical purposes only. Statements and views are not medical advice. This podcast, including Kakatibi, disclaim any adverse effects by the use of information you may have heard. Opinions of guests are totally their own. This podcast does not endorse statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications, credibilities, or sanity. Individuals may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to on the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, consult with a licensed medical physician, not just the spirit of your ancestors while on ayahuasca.